Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Formula One Grid Talk. This will be episode 168. My name is Tom Horrocks, and tonight I have the pleasure of hosting the first of our new midweek podcast, the Fireside F1 series. We will be aiming to bring you detailed analysis and opinions from the world of Formula One in a casual one-to-one -one chat style. Tonight, though, given that it's our first episode, we thought we'd do something completely different. So today's episode, we are joined by a whole host of Grid Talk regulars who I'll introduce shortly. But first, we'd like to welcome to the show for the first time a man who is marking his 20th year in working in Formula One this season. It's the de facto Formula One statistician, Mr. Sean Kelly. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you, Tom, Fun for having me. And let's hope the bandwidth, uh, yeah, let's hope the bandwidth lasts long enough that we can get all this in. Yes, yeah, so we've, uh, we've had various, we've started 10 minutes late with various technical issues and one person not even involved. So uh, we'll, we'll struggle on as best we can. I think we're being a little bit ambitious with this, but uh, we will do what we can. So, Sean, you're no stranger to us, of, of course, but uh, to our listeners at home, who are you? What do you do and how do you do it? Uh, I am essentially Formula One's go-to statistician for everybody. If you've watched the TV broadcast of Formula One in the last two decades, you'll have heard my facts and figures on the air. Um, if you've been to a Grand Prix, if you've been to the Paddock Club, if you've done F1 experiences, that sort of stuff, I may have been your host. Um, so they, they generally use me as the, the all-round anorak. Um, I guess I'm the anorak's anorak because the people who are supposed to know come to ask and ask me for information when they're on the air. Fantastic. And you, you say, I said you, Mark, this is 20 years now in, in Formula One. How did you even get started in that? It was a complete blag. I had no experience whatsoever. I basically talked my way in uh, with my amazing uh, snake oil salesman skills, and they haven't figured me out yet. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> here's to it. Another 20 years, let's hope. Fantastic. So uh, we're assuming then that, uh, I mean, I know this anyway, but uh, we'll assume that you're, you're incredibly knowledgeable about Formula One. Um, so uh, we look forward to seeing what you can do for our, for our quiz so um, speaking of the, um, the quiz, we obviously we need more than just one person for a quiz. So I'd like to introduce the rest of our, uh, our contestants for today. Uh, first up, we have the good co-host of the Monkey Seat podcast. It's Mr. Carl King. Uh, hopefully his bandwidth is with us. Hello, Carl. Hello. Hello. Can you hear I don't me? Know if we've got... We can hear you. We, uh, we couldn't see you, unfortunately. No, that's good. But, uh, it's good. I think we might always, just have to go with to hear me. On. Yeah, I yes. think so. So next we have Everything F1's Tom Downey. Hello, Tom. Hello. Always good to see your face, Tom. How have you been? Mm. Uh, I'm very well. How are you? Yes, uh, fantastic. I I've been better than I am right now. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> we'll see what happens. We'll get through this. And uh, so next up, we also have uh, we also have the engineering graduate and Grid Talk host Owen Medford. Hello, I was a bit, I was a bit slow on the uh, on the old camera turn on there. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. Well, good, good to see you as always, and it's uh, it's good to test your knowledge uh, from for a change as well. Um, and then finally, we have um, Olivia Kairou, who is F one Total writer. Hello. Right, so we're going to get into into the quiz now. The first twenty questions are going to be based on the Formula One season of twenty twenty one. Some of you might remember it. It was a pretty boring season; not a lot happened. And the second twenty questions will be based on historic Formula One from nineteen fifty onwards. Uh, don't panic; there's not going to be a huge amount from the nineteen fifties. Just the odd one or two thrown in there for good measure. They are mostly statistically based, uh, multiple choice questions, and you get more points the quicker you answer the questions. 
If you get a question wrong, though, you do get zero points for that question. So it's not all about speed, or that's what's at least what people keep telling me anyway. This show is going out, is not going out live, uh, but if you want to play along at home, the same way the panel is playing, uh, with probably slightly better bandwidth, then uh, pause the recording, head to kahoot.com, sign up for a free account and search for, uh, search for Fireside F1 to play along and test yourself against the Statman. Back in the room, though, uh, we're all ready to go. So what I'll do is we'll start the quiz. Once I finish, the fir- finish reading the first question, you will have 10 seconds to key in your answer, or you get a big, fat zero. So here we go. We're going to start the quiz. The first question is, how many points did Sergio Perez score in sprint races this season? We had three sprint races, Britain, Italy, and Brazil. So how many points did Sergio Perez score in sprint races? Your four options for selection are 0, 1, 4, or 5. And we have four people got that one right. The correct answer was 0, and one person put 1. The the correct answer was 0 points. He got a DNF in in Britain. Ninth in Italy and a fourth in Brazil. So all around then, it's the scores tally up as you see there. Uh, and Big Daddy is currently leading the standings after one question. Uh, Statman was very honest there because, uh, full disclosure, we had to do a quick restart of the quiz here. And he was the only person who put the same question, same answer twice. So he's, uh, his honesty is counting against him here. So we'll move on to, uh, to question two then. Carlos Sainz finished every race in 2021. Um, but... How many races did he finish outside the top 10? And your options are 0, 1, 2, or 4. One second to go. And we have three correct answers and two wrong answers there. The correct answer is two. Two races outside the top 10. It was Portugal and France. And uh, we have a new leader, which we'll update a bit later on. Uh, Question three then. How many different nations recorded a fastest lap point in a Grand Prix event last season. So how many nations recorded a fastest lap point in a Grand Prix event last season? As in the driver's nationality, that is. The the options there are two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? The correct answer is six, which one person got got that one right. And then two people said uh, said four, and two people said eight. Do we know the nations? Let's let's throw it to Sean. Do you, do we know what nations they were that recorded the fastest lap? Nope. Nope. Oh, <laughs> it was uh, it was Australia, France, Great Britain, Netherlands, Mexico, and Finland. Okay. Question four. Then, who was the only driver in twenty twenty one? to record a pole position, but not record a point for fastest lap. So we have Charles Leclerc, Daniel Ricciardo, Lewis Hamilton, or Lando Norris. That's the four four options there. Three correct ones. Charles Leclerc was the correct answer. One person said Lando Norris. So one person said Daniel Ricciardo, and one person said Lando Norris. Question five is how many drivers fail to start a race that they managed to qualify for? How many drivers failed to start a race that they managed to qualify for? One, two, three, or zero are your options there. And uh, the correct the correct answer there was two. It was Leclerc in Monaco, Sonoda in Italy. We had Mazapan and Kimi Raikkonen were also withdrawn from races, but they didn't qualify for those races. So that's why the answer is two. 
Question six. Which driver scored the most 11th places in 2021? Raikkonen, Giovinazzi, Russell or Sonoda? And there we go. The correct answer is Antonio Giovinazzi, which most of you, most of you got. So yes, that was, uh, it was four was the answer there. I just there, wanted it to Which be is Baku, Turkey, USA, Mexico. Russell, yeah. <laughs> Would have been nice to have been Russell, but no. Right, so uh, what question, what are we up to now? Uh, we are up to number seven. So this is this is a bit of an oddball question. This one, this is this is more of a uh, this is more of like a, a tiebreaker question. This one, but it's a good job. It's multiple choice. How many points in total were awarded in the twenty twenty one season? I'll be impressed if anyone knows this, but it's a good job. It's multiple choice. How many points in total were awarded in the twenty twenty one season? That is three hundred ninety five and a half, five hundred twenty five thousand six hundred, four thousand four hundred fifteen, or two thousand six hundred and a half. I'm stupidly laughing at 525,000. <laughs> <laughs> That's your musical reference there. So predictably, just the one person got that one right. I don't know who it was, but uh, yeah, the correct answer is 4,415. So that's driver and constructor points thrown together as well, which is why it's that. I thought, yeah. And uh, I think it's your way. that got it that right? One, right? Was that me? So, yes. It was you, yes. Okay, we'll have a quick, quick fun, check on the score um, in, the, in, a, in a little bit. I was going to say, the, well, the way I got it, obviously, if it's half points for one race, then it can only be... Uh... Oh, no, wait, no, I'm an idiot. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, you still got it right. The idiot got it right. I think you just... I think you just okay, right. it away. Yeah. So, uh, which two teams finished the season as the joint most reliable team with just two non-starts or non-finishes each? So that's... Which two teams finished the season as the joint most reliable team? With just two non-starts or finishes each. Your options there. Red Bull, Alpine, McLaren, or Ferrari. So it's a multiple choice. Press both and then click submit. Which two teams were the joint? And the correct answer there was McLaren and Ferrari with just two retirements each. It was uh, Leclerc in Monaco, Norris and Leclerc in Hungary, and Ricardo in Brazil. And the next question, question nine. Which team collected the most penalty points over the whole 2021 season with 14 points? Which team collected the most penalty points in the 2021 season with 14 points? Your options are Haas, Aston Martin, Red Bull or Williams. And the correct answer there was Red Bull. Two of you got that correct. One person said Haas and two people said Aston Martin. Right, so question 10. And then we'll do a, a quick score update is uh, 2021 saw the introduction of a budget cap. Now, according to Forbes magazine, which of these items is listed as an exemption from the Formula One budget cap? So something that is not included in the budget cap. Your four options are corporation tax, fuel, new headsets for Toto Wolf or accident damage. And yet yeah, three out of five got that correct. It's corporation tax is the correct answer. So after 10 questions, then we're halfway through the 2021 season and Owain is currently leading with 5,377 points. Olivia second, Carl third, and Big Daddy in fourth, which is Tom Downey with the stat man being honest at the start has cost him dearly. So we'll move on to the <laughs> second half of 2021. 
But before before we do that, how do you uh, how do you rate your performance so far, Sean? It's every bit reflecting the fact that I haven't looked at anything for two months because at the end of the season I go away and drop everything and just forget that 2021 ever happened because you're so involved in it. You're just like, I don't want to look at this stuff until I have to. And next week is when we start. So it, it does a little bit of a reflection of that. I must say, though, Stuart's inquiry um, go on. did not start, question, was incorrectly worded because you said which drivers didn't start a race that they qualified for. And Nikki Damazapin did qualify in Abu Dhabi but did not start a race because he tested his positive test was revealed on Sunday morning. I know because it was there. So that was an incorrectly worded question. It, you're probably correct in that case. Would you have got that question correct then? I still don't think I would have done because I forgot Charlotte Clip. But oh. Mazepin was the person I thought of. I thought, ah, oh. so you're going to say Mazepin, and then you didn't. I was like, uh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I will. Anyway. I will. Uh, it's I'll all take that fun, on the chin then as, as a mistake. Yeah, I'll take that one. I uh, I once fun. got I once got a Formula One question wrong in a quiz, and I argued with it with a uh, with the uh, with the quiz master about it because he he claimed that uh, Eddie Irvine was British. Um, which is not the case. Uh, and he also claimed that he won the world championship. So. <laughs> he is, Eddie yeah. Irvine, Eddie Irvine is British. He had, you know, he, he, if he, he was born in the UK, therefore he would qualify as a UK citizen, but he would not but, be, but the, uh, the, but the, quite, you would say he was English. Yeah. But the, the, the question was about him being world champion because he claimed he won the world championship. And it's like, no, Eddie Irvine never won. Oh, the world I championship. But he it was, did. it was the whole Funny story, by the thing. way. Side, side note about incorrectly worded questions. I was in a quiz. I was at a Will Buxton thing once, and he said he'd given away this big prize. I forget what it was. And, the, and it, was, it was like a Rolex watch or something like that. And he said, okay, folks, in which country did David Coulthard make his Grand Prix debut? And um, somebody yelled out, Portugal. And he went, yes, that's right. And I literally had to go in and say, no, no, that's not right. He did not make his debut in Portugal. <laughs> and they had to redo the quiz in front of the whole audience. But I felt, you know, I felt like I justified my, my involvement in the whole thing by completely ruining the whole evening. Anyway, carry on. I'm not going to do that with you. Absolutely. <laughs> right. So we'll move on to the second half of 2021 then. So question 11. Which driver broke down on track on the installation lap on the first race of the season in Bahrain, but still managed to start the race? So which driver broke down on track on the installation lap in Bahrain, but still managed to start the race? Testing your knowledge, going back quite a long way here. And it's the options are Yuki Tsunoda, Kimi Raikkonen, Bernd Mylander, just for fun, and Sergio Perez. And yep, all five people got Sergio Perez, the correct answer there. Well done. So Carl's on a hot streak at the moment, having answered three questions correct in a row. Uh, the next question then, question 12. Lewis Hamilton won the British Grand Prix in controversial circumstances last season. Sorry, Tom. Uh, but how many times has he won at that track? So Lewis Hamilton won the British Grand Prix in controversial circumstances last season. But how many times has he won at that track? Is it six, seven, eight or nine? Now, this one I will be. Oh, so we, one person got that correct with eight. Was that you, Sean? Yeah, well done, well done, Sean. It was Fantastic. Me, yeah. Justifies your appearance on <laughs> justifies your appearance on this program. Absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, justified my appearance, yeah. Yes. So just uh just to throw out that, who um who else also holds the, the same record of eight wins at one circuit? 
That's just a throw one off. Uh, Michael the bonus. Schumacher did it at Magni. Sure, is it Schumacher in France? And um, correct. Yes. Uh, what's the only one? Yeah, because Hamilton's got seven in Canada, I think. No, he's got eight in Hungary as well. He leveled that. It's eight in Hungary and eight in Silverson. But I only know that because of Wikipedia. So Wikipedia yeah. could be wrong. Yes. So we we all know that there wasn't a race at the Belgian Grand Prix this year. But who officially scored the fastest lap in the in the uh, in the non-race at the Belgian Grand Prix this year? The four options are Nikita Mazepin, Max Verstappen, George Russell, or Pierre Gasly. Two correct. It was, of course, Nikita Mazepin, but he didn't get the point for it because uh, he was the last guy on track, the last across the line, so had the most speed. Uh, got the fastest lap, but didn't get the point for it because he wasn't in the top 10. Am I allowed to interject here? Yes. Um, the fastest lap was not awarded in Belgium. There was no fastest lap. It was annulled. Um, so if you look in the record, yeah, well, Mazepin's he... um, rather comical fastest lap was not awarded at all. It doesn't count in the record books. It doesn't just, it's not just that it doesn't count as a bonus. It, didn't, it was not awarded at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I will, so the uh, I will take answer, that slap on the wrist as well. The correct then. answer <laughs> is still. The correct no answer one. was no one set the fastest lap. So that the correct, the correctly worded. In the record books, because we've got, we've yeah. got one less fastest lap in Grand Prix history than we have races, which is very weird. Mm. So the correct way to word the question would have been who, who recorded, like it's not recorded either, is it? Who completed the lap of the Bowser Grand Prix in the shortest the time? Lap? Yes, that would have been the correct way to word it. Okay, fantastic. Before it was yeah. Okay, so question 14. Mr. Saturday, George Russell, increased his reputation as the qualifying king in 2021, but how many times did he qualify for Q3? How many times did George Russell qualify for Q3 in qualifying in 2021? Is it 4, 6, 10, or 14? The correct answer is 4. Correct. So we have three people got that correct, and you wouldn't. Have th- I would have thought it was more than that, but it was only four Grand Prix because it was it was him getting into Q two was the, was the impressive thing. The Q three thing was just crazy. So yeah, that was uh, Austria, Britain, Belgium, and Russia. Although he didn't start in the top ten in Britain because of the uh, sprint race penalty, but he did make it into Q three. So in Sao Paulo, question 15, this is, in Sao Paulo, Lewis Hamilton was disqualified from qualifying for his DRS flat being too wide. But what was the margin it allegedly fell foul of the regulations by? Your four options are 2 millimetres, 0.02 millimetres, 0.2 centimetres or 0.2 millimetres. And yet we got 0.2 millimeters is the correct answer there. Just the one person got that what got that wrong, which is 0.02 millimeters. I'm not sure that's even measurable, 0.02 millimeters. But yes, the correct answer was 0.2 millimeters. So Trust me, Tom. Very... I panicked. <laughs> like, that is definitely <laughs> <I panicked>. measurable. <laughs> My professors would have something to say. Not measurable. About it. Not... Okay, engineering student, that's fine. <laughs> Me- measurable by the human eye. Question 16. How many different drivers recorded a podium in Formula One in 2021? How many different drivers recorded a podium in 2021? Your options are 7, 9, 12 or 13. 
And the correct answer is 13, which is Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas, Perez, Norris, Ricardo, Leclerc, Sainz, Gasly, Alonso, Ocon, Vettel and Russell. Even though that wasn't a race in Spa, but we'll let Russell have it because we like him. <laughs> Question 17. Last season, how many drivers scored consecutive pole positions on a Saturday? How many drivers scored consecutive pole positions on a Saturday? Your options are two, three, four, or five. And most people got that correct. That, the correct answer is four. It was uh, Verstappen who got uh, four in a row. Um, and then he got two in a row. He got uh, France, Styria, Austria, Britain, and then he got Belgium, Netherlands. And then Hamilton got only one, uh, only one set of two, which was Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Bottas got Mexico and Brazil, and Leclerc got Monaco and Baku. Question 18. What is the current say- longest point scoring run? Oh, sorry, go on, Sean. Have I made another mistake? No, I was just I was curious, like what consecutive pole positions on a Saturday? Um so oh, finished fastest in Q finished fastest in Q three. Well, it wouldn't be that because you could have that on a Friday. Oh, that's true, yeah. It could be another badly worded question for me then. Yeah, I was gonna say like like pole oh, position well. was always awarded on Saturday. <laughs> that is that is that is true, yeah. So I I probably misworded that. I probably meant to word that. Oh no, because the uh yeah. Because yeah, maybe I was maybe I was talking about the qualifying, not the sprint. I don't know how I worded that, but I've worded that wrong anyway. But either way, it doesn't change the result of the question anyway. It's just badly worded. Uh, question eighteen: What is the current longest point scoring run in Formula One as of the end of this season? What is the current longest point scoring run in Formula One as of the end of this season? So it's uh, 49, 15, 12, or 6. So it's the currently running point scoring record. Yeah, the answer there is 15. It's Carlos Sainz from Styria onwards. It's a correct answer. So three out of five got that correct. And Statman has climbed his way up to second in the standings now. He's climbing. We'll, uh, we'll, do a, we'll do a scores recap uh, after the question 20. Well, so question 19. Can I, Go on, Sean. Can I say one other thing? Um, that is, of yes. course, assuming that you're only counting points in the races. Because if you count sprint races as well, Max Verstappen has a longer point streak than Carlos Sainz. You have two different definitions of the point streak. Oh, really? That's 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 an interesting, yeah, interesting take on it. So, so is Verstappen's point scoring wrong long, longer then? So that'd be Grand Prix point scorers then. If, Grand Prix weekends, as opposed to Grand Prix race point streak, they Events. are now two different right, categories okay. as of 2021. They never used to be. But now we have points on a Saturday. And if you include those, Verstappen has a longer streak than science. And I know this wow. because I tripped over this very stat when we were on the air once, which is how I remember. <laughs> well, there we go. One thing I've learned today is that I'm not a, I'm, I'm not, not, not a quiz master and don't invite a stat man on <laughs> if you want to be a quiz master because you'll be completely debunked at every turn. But, uh, but yes, that's... that's Sorry, I'm gra- I'm so- that's- I promise I'm really nice at parties. I don't ruin it every time. <laughs> it's I, I love it personally i love it i love it but uh, anyway question 20 how many nations were represented by drivers in races in the 2021 season so the options there are 7 13 12 or 15 how many nations were represented and we've got just the one correct answer there it's 13 nations uh, which is netherlands britain finland mexico spain 
Monaco, Australia, France, Germany, Canada, Japan, Italy, and Poland. And RAF is not a nation. So they're not counting Russia because they weren't represented. Or am I wrong there, Sean? Should I have represented them? No, fantastic. That's right. We'll do a quick scores recap then. Someone said Russia, and I don't count that. (laughs) Nope, sorry. They weren't represented. Okay, so quick update on the scores then. We have uh, we have Owain leading the way uh, with Statman in second place with Carl third, Big Daddy fourth, and Olivia just behind in fifth. So you'll be glad to, like most of us, we're glad to see the back of the 2021 season. I'm certainly glad to see the back of that part of the 2021 quiz after a few false starts. And some of you may notice that we are now doing a 39-question quiz due to a slight technical issue. So we're just going to move on to the second half of the, uh, second half of the quiz, which is the historic... Formula One. So we'll start off with a question that I will be very disappointed if Sean doesn't get correct for reasons that will soon become very clear. So the question is, who won the 1987 Brazilian Grand Prix? And you should know it because apparently it's the first race you ever watched. So that's uh, Emerson Fittipaldi, Etten Senna, Alan Prost or John Watson. We have uh, two people saying Alan Prost, three people saying Ayrton Senna. It is, in fact, Alan Prost. Please tell me you got that right, Sean. If you'll indulge me for just one second, just wait five seconds there. Talk amongst yourselves while I take my headset off. I'm just going to go and get an artifact from the cupboard over here. Just wait one second. Go for it. He's going to go and get some memorabilia now from that race. I wasn't so, even born. What we have here, this is this is the this is a copy of the master, the BBC production master of the highlights of those race of that race, which the oh, BBC wow. gave to me as a 25th anniversary gift in in 2012. So um, wow. yeah, April 12th this year it will be uh, 35 years. Yeah. I'll watch it again. Fantastic. <laughs> Hopefully, Alan Prost still wins. So. Move on to the second question. Yes, I promise they're all not based around Sean, these ones, but this one should also, I would expect Sean to get right. Uh, who won the 2003 Australian Grand Prix? Which, again, you should know because it was your first race covering Formula One, from what I understand. The options are Mika Hakkinen, David Coulthard, Michael Schumacher, or Rubens Barrichello. And I remember watching this one live. The correct answer is, of course, David Coulthard. Uh, and... Yep, we have one person say Mika Hacken and one person say Michael Schumacher. Surprise enough, no one said Rubens Barrichello. Poor Rubens. But yes, the correct answer was David Coulthard. So question three uh, in the second section of this quiz is how many times did Lewis Hamilton win a race in his rookie F1 season? How many times did Lewis Hamilton win a race in his rookie F1 season? The options are one, three, four or five. And the correct answer there is four. So we have uh, uh, one person said uh, said three, one per- two people said five, and two people said four. So moving on to the, we'll do a quick scores update on that. And we have Owen still leading the way, Statman second, Carl's moved up to third, Big Daddy up to fourth, and Olivia unfortunately dropped down. But it's really close. Those those bottom three are really close together. Uh, question four. Abu Dhabi has been on the calendar since 2009, but how many times has the title been decided there? 
How many times has the title been decided in Abu Dhabi? Your multiple choice options are four, five, three, or two. And the answer's coming there. We had two correct answers there. It is, in fact, four times with uh, um, can I, three Can I get more points if I name the years? Um, I, will, I will give you man points if you can name the years. Go for it. Okay, so there was 2010. There was 2014, because 2014 gets yep. double points. 2016, because yep. there was Hamilton versus yep. Rosberg. And obviously 2021, because there was a little incident yep. at the end. Was there? I don't remember that. It's It's been wiped from my memory now. <laughs> No one ever uh, asks me about it. <laughs> I bet they don't. Right. Uh, question five, then. Who holds the record for the lowest place finish in a Formula One race? The only driver to ever finish 24th. So who holds the record for the lowest ever finish in a Formula One race? Classified finish. Is it Martin Brundle, Nikita Mazepin, Noreen Karthikeyen, or Bruno Giacomelli? Everyone got that one right. Poor Noreen. Poor <laughs> Noreen. Never Noreen's, but it pours. That's terrible. Cut that out, Chris. Uh, right. Question six. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen holds the record for most Grand Prix entries with 353. But who is second on the list of Grand Prix entries? Your options are... Michael Schumacher, Fernando Alonso... Sterling Moss or Rubens Barrichello? And yet we've got four people, Fernando Alonso, just the one saying Rubens. He did hold the record at one point, I believe, but uh, he's been usurped. It is Fernando Alonso. So now we move on to question seven. Who is the oldest driver to start an F1 race at 55 years old? Who is the oldest driver to start an F1 race at 55 years old? Is it Kimi Raikkonen? Juan Manuel Fangio, Luis Chiron, or Alberto Ascari? And just the one correct there, Luis Chiron. Now, any prices for guessing who that was? It was Statman. Do you remember which race that was, Sean? Uh, 1955 Monaco Grand Prix. 100%. Bang on. Yeah. I knew you'd be better at this section of the quiz than the first half. So... Next question then. I've moved on to it accidentally. So Mercedes hold the record for percentage wins versus starts with 49.8. But who is second on the list for percentage wins? The options there are Ferrari, McLaren, Lotus and Braun. And yes, the answer is Braun GP with a 47.1% win rating. I told you they were statistically based, didn't I? Question nine. Which team won the first ever Formula One Constructors' Championship? Which team won the first ever Formula One World Constructors Championship? And you've got Ferrari, McLaren, Van Wall, or Cooper Climax are your four options. And three out of five correct. That is Van Wall was the correct answer. Uh, yes. Moving on to question 10, halfway through the second half of the quiz. What is the record for most numbers of pit stops in a race? And this is one I'm going to throw to Sean as well afterwards, I think. So what is the record for most number of pit stops in a race? The options are 5, 63, 79, or 88. 
I have a feeling. Oh, no, we just got the one person got that correct. So let's see who that was. Yeah. Sean, do you remember, do you remember which race it was? I think that it was the 2011 Turkish Grand Prix. Uh, I think it was the Hungarian Grand Prix, yes, but it was 2011, the, the Pirelli Shambles. The, he, the, the Hungarian Grand Prix was a wet race, whereas the Turkish Grand Prix was a dry race. So the, the, the fact that there was like 80 pit stops in the Turkish Grand Prix is actually more impressive than it being a wet race. Yes, yes. But yeah, 88 pit stops in one race. I remember that race. That was... Uh, Crazy, crazy race. So uh, moving on then to question 11. How many different tyre manufacturers have been represented in a Formula One race? Is it 8, 9, 12 or 13? It's different tyre manufacturers. And the correct answer is 9. Can we name them all? And it was, it was Olivia that go. got that one right. Go Probably on then, kind of give it a go. Goodyear, yep. Pirelli, yes. Bridgestone, yes. Firestone, yes. Dunlop, yes. Avon, yes. Continental, yes. Uh, Michelin, yes. And the most obscure one, Engelbert, yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. I've well, never I heard of Engelbert. Nine, but I got the question wrong. I got the question wrong yeah. because I didn't count them up in my head in time. But yeah, yeah. it was nine. So well done, Olivia. Yeah. But yeah, Engelbert was yeah. on the car. Engelbert was on the Ferrari in 1958. Yes. Was it just the one race then, Engelbert? Go on, Olivia. No, they ran, they ran that tyre in the 58 throughout the season uh, with, with Pirelli's, I think. Right. I didn't even know okay. that. I just guessed. Oh, <laughs> you don't supposed to say that. You're supposed to you're supposed to impress people with your amazing knowledge of tires on on uh, on Formula One cars. Oh yeah, no, I'm the tire guy. Come come yeah. to me for the tire answers. <laughs> right. Right. So question question twelve then. Which engine manufacturer, not on the current F1 grid, has won the most races? Which engine manufacturer, not on the current Formula One grid, has won the most races? In Formula One, this is of course. Is it Honda, Tag, Ford, or Alfa Romeo? Which engine manufacturers won the most? And yep, the correct answer. Four out of five correct, it is Ford. Although now this this question it is now out of date. You can tell I wrote this a few weeks ago because Honda are obviously are now still technically in Formula One. Hmm. After the, yeah, uh, the most recent seen, uh, like is it, are we going to be counting them as Honda or Honda Racing Company or how is that? What are the semantics yeah. of that going to work out as being? Yeah, that's. Uh, I tell you what, that's who want to be a statistician, eh? When you've got stuff like that muddying the waters. Well, we already have that in history with Honda and with Mugen Honda. You speak to Eddie Jordan; mm. he's adamant that the car that he drove, that he had in '99 was a Honda engine, even though it's Mugen Honda credit. So, mm. yeah, it's another one of those things where there's a little bit of creative accountancy that might be in play. Yes. Okay, so question 13 then. Which driver has taken part in the most F1 races without winning a race? Which driver has taken part in the most F1 races without winning a race? Your options are Andre De Cesaris, Martin Brundle, Sergio Perez, or Satoru Nakajima. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And just the one person got that right. The answer was Andre De Cesaris. 
Were we counting people who hadn't won a race, you know, who, who'd gone a long time without winning a race and winning a race? Or, you know, because obviously Perez went, what, 190 odd races before winning a race? Yeah. Does that so just, just, does that not count so because he has, has then won a race? Do you get what I mean? I understand where you're so coming those from. Are separate, those are separate statistical categories. That's most races before winning a race, as opposed to most career races without yeah. ever winning. Okay. But yeah, Andrew De Cesaris had 208 Grand Prix without a win. So, so either way. Um, if Perez had not won that race, um, he, would, he would have still not been at that record at that point. So, yeah, the answer was Andrew, Andrew de Tesseris. And I've got Sean backing me up for once on this one, as opposed to completely debunking my question. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I see where you came from with that. And that's, I was a bit mean to put uh, Perez in there as an option, to be honest. Uh, right. No, uh, no, you question 14. You it was correct. It was correct. What you said was correct. Carry on. Okay. Sterling Moss holds the record for the most wins without a world championship in Formula One. But who is second? So who, who is second to Sterling Moss for most victories without ever winning a world championship? Your options are Eddie Irvine, Valtteri Bottas, Ralph Schumacher, or David Coulthard. And the questions are in. And three people thought it was Valtteri Bottas. Nobody got David Coulthard. Clean sweep. <laughs> I was waiting to on see Carlos Reutemann on there. I thought it was going to be Reutemann. <laughs> and he wasn't come up as an answer. So I was like, uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. It was old DC, old DC. Right. Uh, which driver holds the record for most consecutive pole position? So races in a row getting pole position. Who holds the record for most consecutive pole positions? Your options are Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, Ayrton Senna or Sebastian Vettel. All absolute dynamite qualifiers. And yep, the correct answer, Ayrton Senna. Two out of, two out of four got that correct. And uh, two, two out of five got that correct. And yes, it was eight in a row between Spain 88 and USA 89. Fun fact. I think. USA 89 was the the race in which he beat Jim Clark's all-time record. Clark was the record holder on 33. That pole Mm -hmm. position simultaneously broke the consecutive, set the consecutive record streak and broke the all-time record streak in the same day. Wow. Okay, so who is the driver to hold, sorry, who is the only driver to hold eight pole positions at two circuits? Who's the only driver to hold eight pole positions at two circuits? Your options are Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Ayrton Senna, or Michael Schumacher. And the answer is Lewis Hamilton. Three out of five corrects there. He holds uh, eight pole positions in Australia and Hungary. But he doesn't have that many wins at Australia, weirdly. Doesn't seem doesn't tend to win Australian Grand Prix. So, a quick update on the scores before we get to the last couple of questions. Then, uh, Sean way out in front now with uh, eighteen thousand six hundred and eight points. With Owen in second with thirteen thousand points. Big Daddy in third with eleven thousand eight hundred. Carl with eleven thousand and Olivia ten thousand seven hundred. Just behind again. That's those bottom three are really really close. So, next question then is question seventeen. Who is the youngest driver to qualify on pole position for a Formula One Grand Prix? The youngest driver ever to qualify young, on pole. And I'll give you a clue. He's 21 years old. Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen or Michael Schumacher? And yet yeah, it is Sebastian Vettel. 
Correct, just the one person got that correct. And sure enough, They've it got was so short. young now, haven't Max, they? Yeah, well, Max Verstappen and I was following that's that a, for that's ages. A, it's, an I was, mm. it, it's an odd record because it hasn't progressed inwards like you would have thought. Vettel was 21 years, 73 days at Monza 2008. We all thought Verstappen would beat it, and he never did. He could beat the front row record, but he never beat the pole record because he had to wait until Mexico 20, 20 whatever it was. Uh, not Mexico, Hungary, sorry, Hungary 2019 before we finally got a pole position. Yeah, because everyone thought he was going to break it at Mexico the previous year, but then Ricardo nipped pole off him. Right. Then he went and lost the lead into turn one anyway. Because I remember watching that race with, uh, and I was just desperate for Ricardo to get pole just so that Vettel wouldn't get beaten to the fast, to the youngest man for the fastest lap. For, sorry, for pole position. Right. Okay, so we move on to question 18. Now, this is one that I think, uh, Tom, you'll get correct. Which driver holds the record for most races without recording a pole position? Which driver holds the record for most races without recording a pole position? Purely because you mentioned him earlier. Is it Nikita Mazepin, Sergio Perez, Takuma Sato, or Alberto Ascari? And yep, Sergio Perez. Probably too much of a clue there for everyone. Gave it away a little bit, but there we go. Sergio Perez. Question 19. Who has the highest percentage of race starts to podium finishes? Who has the highest percentage of race starts to podium finishes? This is a bit of an odd one, this one. Is it Max Verstappen, Juan Manuel Fangio, Dorini Serafini, or Bernie Eccleston? Who said Bernie? Come on, hands up. Who said Bernie? <laughs> no, uh, it was uh, Serafini because because uh, he had one entry and one podium in 1950. So he has 100% races versus podium finishes. Yeah. Apparently. Um, and Bernie, of course, entered two, uh, Bernie entered two races in 58, I think it was, Monaco. Yeah. I think it was a British Grand Prix and Cliff Allison drove yeah. a car instead, I think it was. Um, he didn't but, actually so start the race. An entry in the race, but he never started the Grand Prix. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he was uh, podium. He never, he never finished on the podium. Definitely not. Right. And then the final question, which driver has recorded the most podium finishes in Formula One without recording a win? Which driver has recorded the most podium finishes in Formula One without recording a win? Martin Brundle, Lando Norris, Roman Grosjean, or Nick Heidfeld? And it's Nick Heidfeld is the correct answer, who holds the same record in Formula E, I believe, or certainly used to anyway. Whether he still does, I don't know. Still does. So there yeah. we go. Congratulations, Stat the Stat Man. And the correct. Uh, so we got third place was Big Daddy, second place, Owain. And surprise, surprise, the winner, Mr. Statman, Sean Kelly. Thank you very much. But a uh, special shout out there. It would have been massively for, embarrassing for if I hadn't done well. <laughs> uh, runners up there, Olivia and Carl, just, just, just behind fourth and fifth there. Um, but uh, yeah, I just go, just special shout out there for Owain there, who, who led the, the first half. I know we had a bit of an honesty issue with the first question where we had a bit of a full start, but even so, I think it was still a, a solid performance from Owain there in the, uh, in there to actually top the, uh, top the standings at the halfway point. So, so well done. 
Uh, thoroughly enjoyable there. So, uh, what I'd like to do now is uh, is hand over to any of our fellow podcasters who would like to uh, ask ask some questions of Sean as he's here, um, provided he's still willing to stay after that debacle, of course. So, does anyone have any questions for Sean? Um, yeah. So, um, it's just based around sort of stats and sports, really, uh, and particularly with the sort of, um, I guess, how obviously Formula One being what sort of 20 into its uh, 72nd year uh, now um but do you ever find that some of the stats maybe going back to maybe the 50s and 60s uh, are almost a bit meaningless in some ways i know i know that i've seen that with maybe the nfl or something you know those the very, that were very statistics based sports where they bring them in quite a lot and i always find myself sitting and watching tv and just thinking well that can't mean anything can it yeah i do and um, you're right. I mean, for instance, points, you know, most total points is a meaningless category now because there's no direct comparison, you know, because back in the day, you said eight points for a win. Um, you know, now eight points doesn't get you on the podium. So, yeah, there are certain categories where I think this is, this is irrelevant to the narrative. And what's important is when it comes to facts and figures is, is that we don't detract from what you've come to actually watch. We're here to provide some perspective as opposed to oh, you know, isn't it amazing that we know all of these facts and figures? That's not what you're trying to achieve. What you're actually trying to achieve is, hey, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way before. Um, I always say that uh, the job of uh, the, stat the statistics, it's like the ball boy at Wimbledon. Like if we do our job properly, we, add, we, we speed things up, we make it more interesting, but you never notice that we are actually doing it. I think that says a lot more about why I'm not in show business and more in academia at this point. <laughs> so well, I always you, say, if you I want to say stay... in TV, in TV, keep it simple. You know, you've got to be careful. You, know, you don't go into too much. I, I agree. Certain U.S. sports, uh, get, they go overboard with it. You know, there's too many caveats. You've got to keep it simple because otherwise you just you're just showing off. You know, and and you just you know just annoy your audience, and you know you don't want that. Speaking of AWS graphics, um, yes. Is there anything else you want to ask Sean while you're there, Owen? Oh, oh, oh decameron. Um, oh, goodness me. Uh, as as you've got the hot seat oh. now. No, oh, like, yeah, there's a bonus was, it, bonus category of questions there. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say this it's is like very. A, this like is quite warm. This one. <laughs> um, um, goodness. Yeah. Can I gamble? Can I gamble this, my prizes against tonight's star prize? Yeah. So, does anyone else have anything they want to ask Sean? Carl, you've always got something to say. Um, so, you said that you get asked this quite a bit. So, what do you think about the final race of this last season? Well, I, I was honest about it when it happened, which was... And I'll, I'll give you a run-through of how I experienced it. I was in the paddock club. I was at Pirelli. And the, the Latifi crashed. We all looked at each other like, oh, you couldn't, you couldn't have scripted this better, you know. And, and the thing is, is it's beyond, it's beyond reproach because it's like the Mercedes powered car has crashed, which is kind of screwed up Mercedes cruising to the championship. You couldn't say it was a fix. You know, it, was like, it wasn't like a yeah. Honda powered car, an Alfa Tari had gone off. Um, so like that was off the table. Um, and then obviously what happened, happened. And immediately... When Verstappen won the race, I thought, Stewart's inquiry here, that I'm not sure, I'm not sure we followed everything the way we were supposed to do everything. What happens these days is that everybody jumps to conclusions. And I've learned 
in the past across my career from, from occasions when I've jumped to conclusions that you end up looking really stupid if it turns out later on. Like, well, if you look at the regulations on page 72, article 38.7-2, line 4, it says that this was done correctly, and then you look like an idiot. So what I wanted was the chance for Michael Massey to uh, give a full chronological perspective of how we arrived at these decisions, why they were made, and so on. Um, and so far, we haven't had that, really. So... I think it's not a very good look that we're still, we've still got this sort of hanging in limbo, almost as if to say, it's like a don't mention the war type of mentality. But um, I, I'm still reserving judgment until I get the whole perspective because um, it, it's, it's obviously left a lot of sour taste in everybody's neck. And it's a shame because I think last season was the greatest season we've ever had in Formula One. And I know there are certain people who would never entertain the idea that this was a better season than the days of Crossland Center and so on. Well, I lived through all of those, and this was a better season. It just was. Um, and, and like the Prost Center era, the zenith of political machination, it ended controversially. And it, it didn't sit with a lot of fans very well. Uh, so we really need to clean up. You know, it, if, if things went right, show us how it went right. And the, you know, we're, we're jumping to conclusions. And if, it, and if they went wrong, then there needs to be an accountability and say, look, we screwed this up. It was, what can you do? We, we didn't do it right, whatever. But I think the important thing is to be honest with the facts and say, look, this is, this is why what happened happened. And if something was done wrong, we need to take steps to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I totally agree with you there that, you yeah. know, that this shouldn't happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think just, I, I don't think I don't think I think most fans would have been okay. They would have understood if it had finished behind the safety car. It would have been unsatisfactory and a bit of an anticlimax to what's been a great season. I think we would have all said, "Well, yeah, that's normally how we do things." Um, but then also had had the thing is I, I say this a lot. If had Massey stopped the race right away, people would have said, "Ah, look at that! You've just given Verstappen a massive advantage. He should have finished behind the safety car." So we didn't stop the race. And then everybody said, ah, now look, you've given Verstappen a massive advantage because of the way you've actually done it. So it, it, whatever he was going to do, somebody was going to have a go at him saying, why didn't you do it some other way? So um, that needs to be taken into consideration as well. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's, there should be a, a definite uh, effort to try and have green flag finish racing. Um, but uh, but the, there needs to be a line somewhere where you say that's, you know, that, that's just, it. you know, racers have finished behind the safety car. For, for a very long time. Was it 2012? The season finished behind the safety car then as well. And um, there was another season recently that finished behind the safety car as well, I believe. And it's, it's, it's I can't remember off the top of my head now, but it, it's just something that happens. And if we want to stop that from happening, then then fine. Say, you know what? If there is a safety car situation with five laps to go or you know 30 kilometers, whatever you decide it is, that is automatically a red flag. But then what happens then when you have a, a red flag situation, a red flag restart, and then you have another accident? Do you have another red flag? Because, you know, red yeah. flags breed red flags. And, and, it's kind of it's what happens. And, and the other thing is, if you, if you mandate that in the regulations, that leaves the possibility open to manipulation of that rule. Because if you have that situation, what's to stop Red Bull saying to Perez, stop the car, stop the car on the racetrack, stop it in the middle of the road, so we have to have a red flag. You know, I'm not yeah. saying that Red Bull would be yeah. so unsporting but I'm, I'm providing that as an example of how you could gain the system to your own advantage. 
So it's really difficult to write that into the regulation. You have to allow some leeway for the race director to make that call. Yeah. And that's, it's just gray areas. It's, it's always going to be there because they kind of have to be because every situation is inherently different and you're never going to have two situations exactly the same. But, um, Right. Uh, what, what's so, your thoughts on the uh, on the upcoming? Sorry, you got something else to say, Carl? You got another question? Yeah, sorry, I was I was just about to say just to to stop the conversation that we've all had. I was just about to ask another question, but uh, you jump ahead. Go for it. I was just going to ask about what your thoughts are going to be on next season and what what you expect to see and uh, and uh, and what can we look forward to. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, when the season's over, I go away and do something else with my life. Like I don't, I don't, I don't do my homework for the next season until actually, I actually start next week. You know, I, I go away and do something else because otherwise you just get burnout because there's so much to do in season. Um, it, it is nice that we've got this new era of car regulations, and certainly the Aston Martin that launched today looks phenomenal. I must say, it looked really nice. Um, I hope all the cars look as good as that, um, and it'll be interesting to see if they really can race each other. You know, if, if, if they can't get this to work, bearing in mind the brain trust that was put together to design these regulations of poachers turned gamekeepers, um, then it, we're never going to get this to work. You know, these are, these are the, the best possible minds that Formula One could have put together to come up with these regulations. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. And always, when there's always a step change in regulations, we always see somebody make a hash of it and somebody do a, an unexpectedly good job of it. So it'd be nice to shake up the world order there. But we also have financial regulations in play, which we've never had before with a big regulation change. It will be interesting to see how they play in. Could you have a situation where Haas, having finished bottom of the championship, now have 50% more wind tunnel time than Mercedes and, and could make something special with it? We, that's, that's, a, that's an unknown. We just don't know how that will play into it. Um, and I'm also excited to see the sports continued growth in the US. I mean, I'm sitting here in the US right now um, and in Austin, we had four. We we had there was four hundred thousand people were quoted as our as our uh, three day audience. And I must say that all, the crowd that was in Austin was as big as I've ever seen. I did a number of uh, stage appearances, and I would always say to everybody, "Look, your hands up, who's at the Grand Prix for the very first time?" And almost always, half of the hands went up. And then I would say, "Okay, keep your hands up if you're here because you watch Drive to Survive, and that's made you interested in sport." And all the hands would stay up. So there was this whole new uh, cross-section that had never seen a Formula One race before, were never interested in the sport, never going to be interested in the sport, who were suddenly glued to it. And it's a lot younger demographic. Formula One's demographic was getting grayer. Who was going to come in and replace them? And it feels like there's a new generation coming in there. And now we have, a, we have um, uh, an ownership that really wants to push F1 in the United States in the same way that the Premier League really pushed hard to get the U.S. audience Um and now every game, every Premier League game is available live in the US, whereas 20 years ago, I can remember being here, you couldn't, I couldn't find any games here. Um, so that's exciting, that the, the, the potential market is there. And now we have two races. You know, we have Miami coming on board as well, uh, which is fantastic. I've always said the US should have three races. That, to me, is very, very exciting to see how we've had the Middle East expansion, we've had the Far East expansion. Now we're getting back to North America, where Formula One, of course, always had a foothold up until the end of the 1970s and then it really died a death through the 80s. So are you going to be in, uh, in attendance at the two American Grand Prix this year? Assuming what they'll have me. Um, that's certainly, yeah. the, that, that is the game plan at, at present. Um, 
yeah, I don't like to make assumptions, but uh, I think it's likely that they'll be it, it, it's likely that they'll be in attendance quite regularly this season after two seasons in exile because of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit more like a normal championship year. Um, fingers crossed. I <laughs> hate to make assumptions based on what we've all been through as a society, but uh, yeah. yeah, chances are I'll be I'll be dossing about the place. Sure. Sean. Sure. So, what's your um, this season? What's your five favourite facts of this season, or five favourite stats of this season? Then, as you said, it's such a good one. Twenty twenty one. You mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Last season. Come on, move on, Carl. Has it started yet? He Sean hasn't started until next week. <laughs> this is true. This is true. We haven't officially gone back yet. Um, I don't know if there's five favourite statistics. I think what made it great was that it was so close. It was a case of, I, I can remember, this is a great example, in Portugal, Hamilton won in Portugal. And um, I think it was it was the third race of the season, if I remember rightly. And uh, Verstappen had won Imola. Hamilton had just won Bahrain. And Verstappen should have won Bahrain. He let it slip through his fingers. Hamilton won Portugal quite convincingly. And I remember people on Twitter saying to me, well, this is all over, isn't it? I mean, how, this is going to be another Hamilton Mercedes benefit. You know, Red Bull had that little bit brief moment in the sun there when they almost won Bahrain and Verstappen stayed on the track at Imola when Hamilton went off. Um, and I said, no, it, it's, it's, this is, Hamilton's won the battle today, but this war is going to be ongoing throughout the summer. Uh, and so it proved, you know, the fact that Verstappen at one point was 33 points in the lead after he uh, won the sprint at Silverstone, I think it was. Um, and then it ended up, they went into the last race level on points, first time since 1974. The, I mean, it was astonishing. And the, amount, and the amount of times that they changed positions on the racetrack and hit each other on the racetrack. This wasn't, uh, this wasn't a championship that was fought out on an Excel spreadsheet. We've had other championships like that. 2010, I think, is a great example of a spreadsheet world championship. We had four cars going into the last race with a chance to win it. And we had the dullest race in the world, Vettel Water. And it was like, okay, on paper, this should have been really exciting, but it wasn't. In 2021, we had multiple instances throughout the season where these two guys would be very close or actually run into each other. And it went all the way to the last lap of the season. And that, for me, is what made it the greatest season. It wasn't anything that I could provide to you as a statistician. It was something you had to feel in a visceral sense. And I think that Formula One's missed that a lot lately. Uh, that visceral sense of I have to watch. I, I can't. I can't look. I can't look at the score. You know, I can't look in the paper afterwards. Paper. <laughs> All right, Granddad. Um, I can't look online afterwards to see how it went. I need to actually watch this live because anything is possible. Coming from the person who watched it three hours late. Uh, yeah, that was the hardest three hours of my life waiting for it to get to that. I was at a Christmas show, but, uh, yeah, uh, is, so is, I, I remember the, oh, um, yeah, the, the last time I remember this being anything like that was 2007, 2008 were the only seasons that I can remember in my living memory that were anything like this or the way they kept bouncing backs and forwards. But I know that Owen has got another question, so I'm just going to switch back to him now. Um, yeah, um, you said about how. 2010's sort of season finale was a sort of spreadsheet world championship and how you know you can tee up four cars going into the last race um and i was just thinking about you know i'd, I'd go back and um watch the season reviews by the bbc uh, fairly often because i think they're quite good but um 
you know, in 20, I think it was 11 and 12, we had five and six world champions on the grid. And I, and I just think from a, just to, um, my question, I guess, is that, do you think it's almost a, a thank, uh, not thankless, that's the wrong word, um, just a, a pointless task to, let's say, focus on the number of overtakes, um, as people tend to do, as, as why the racing's bad in comparison to having this, well, as you say, completely tension-filled season where, you know, it felt that every race that, that, that you know, that Tesha, you know, if, it, if the tension in the season was a rubber band, you were just stretching it and stretching it until we got to Abu Dhabi. Um, yeah, do, do you think that's almost uh, uh, the, the wrong thing to get fixated on when we f- focus out on uh, a number of overtakes or something like that? Yeah, it is, absolutely. I agree with you. Um, the 2016 Chinese Grand Prix had 128 on-track passes. Yet that never figures amongst people's all-time favorite races. It's not the sheer gross number of passes that determines the excitement. If it did, then watching a NASCAR race at Fontana would be far more exciting every time than watching what we saw in Abu Dhabi or what we saw in Jeddah. I mean, Jeddah was Jeddah was theater. I mean, it was we, we were sitting there thinking this is we were in Jeddah. We were thinking this is a, a such a weird feeling. This race it feels it's like it's turned sinister. You know, there's so many. Uh, like subplots to the whole thing beyond just simply Hamilton made one pass of Verstappen. You know, that's just very clinical. Whereas what it felt like was like, this is like a civil war going on in Formula One. This is brilliant. Um, so yes, we, we do fixate on number of passes as opposed to what do those passes mean? You know, that that's the thing. And the DRS era has helped us a lot. Um, but we all know that a lot of those passes are passes that if we were in that position on the racetrack, even I could pass Lewis Hamilton by pressing a button. You know, he can't do anything about it. If I put 20 miles an hour on him just by pressing a button, there's nothing he could do to stop me getting past him. Um, and that's a shame because I miss, you know, I, I like to see the drivers show their skill in defense. And that's what made it. The, la- the latter stage in Hungary so fantastic. Watching Alonso schooling Hamilton in defence with a car that really had no business at all being ahead of the Mercedes. And yet Alonso kept him there long enough to get Ocon the win. And that was hugely satisfying to watch. The fact that there was not an overtaking move until much, much later than th- th- there should have been by just pressing this button. Um, so, yeah, you've got to be careful. I know from experience, from my professional experience, that you can often make statistics... You mold statistics to make them look like anything. Um, but we don't come to the races for statistics. We are a sideshow. The racing is center stage. And, and ultimately, you have to look at it and say, was that interesting to watch? Would I watch that again in my spare time? Um, and having 120 overtakes hasn't made the 2016 Chinese Grand Prix the most popular choice on F1 TV. So I rest my case. I have a kind of follow-up question to that. Um Sort of. Do you think that the reason that we fixate on that is maybe because Formula One is full of analytical, formulaic minds who are looking for that, right, we put in X here, we put in Y here, and we put in Z here, and we'll get, you know, we'll get A, let's say, and we can tune that to what we want. And do you think it would maybe almost be better served with someone who's got an idea of story? Yeah, it- if you wanted to make it the ultimate example of engineering, you could just have driverless cars and just remove the, the driver narrative completely. You know, we have a point, we're at the point now where 
um, engineering-wise, we can do that. But it's no one would watch it because no one cares. You know, if 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 we would watch it, we'd be doing that now. We would get rid of the drivers completely. What what fascinates us is seeing a human being against another human being in battle. That's that's the visceral appeal of the whole thing. And I I, I use that word visceral quite a lot because I always say that. You know, the, I sound like an old git, but you know the V8, V10, V12s of yesteryear were more visceral than the current turbo hybrid engine in terms of their the way they made you feel when they would go around the racetrack. I can remember the tens, for instance, when they go past you, the ground would shake. The ground would shake; it'd be like apocalypse is happening right in front of your eyes. It would just your ears would bleed. It was just like wow, this is <laughs> like you know you're at a Grand Prix now. You know you're not in Kansas, Dorothy. Um, and now the, the current power units don't do that. But yet, the current power units are by far and away superior engineering-wise. They are an engineering marvel. But just from a visceral standpoint, they don't hit the senses the way. You know, it, it, it should be a sensory experience. We're not coming to a maths lecture. That's for, that's for the bit when the cars are in the garages. You know, we can talk about that. When the cars are on the racetrack, it should feel like, Old Testament battle has been joined. That's that's what I think Formula One should be. Yeah, Agree totally. Agree totally. So, um, if there's no other questions from anyone else, I've got a, a question I want to ask. It's a bit more on, on a personal level. I'd like to know about those medals that are behind you, because uh, I know that uh, producer Chris was was asking about them, and I'd just like to know what, what they're about and what they're from. Oh, I was going to ask that question. These. As well. Oh, there we go. So that's from yes, Olivia. These... That question. <laughs> these are um, these are the replica medals from the 2012 Olympics in London, gold, silver, and bronze. Um, my son wore the gold medal in the ceremonies, the opening and closing ceremonies, um, and I wore the silver because you know I'm second rate. Um, <laughs> and up here is Danny Boyle's um, liner notes for what the opening ceremony was about. Um, because a lot of it actually was based upon the Industrial Revolution starting in Shropshire, which is the county where I'm from. I was very surprised to see that played such a prominent role in the opening ceremony. And then just to my left here, on this wall, is the shirt that my son wore in the opening ceremony, or at the opening ceremony. He wouldn't, he wouldn't participate in the ceremony, but, he was, but we were both there. And it has his lanyard around it and the ticket in the lanyard and everything, and it's exactly as he wore it when he was four. Of course, he's now nearly 15. So... <laughs> You know, it's been fascinating to see him grow into somebody taller than me. You got this teeny tiny little T-shirt here, but yes, that was that was a great day in our lives. So that's why that's there. Um, and uh, as I was mentioning before we uh, recorded, we were getting ready to do this show. Um, this actually, this is this this giant map of the world, which is half of the wall, is being replaced later this week by. A giant, a giant mural of Verstappen passing Hamilton on the last lap in Abu Dhabi, um, but it hasn't arrived yet. So we can put it in today's show, unfortunately, but it's due to arrive this week. I'm not upset about that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so when you see, I, it, when I, you I, see me tweet, when you see me tweet from yeah. this desk, I'll t- tweet a picture of myself sitting at this desk, and I'm going to say, I've put the events of the last lap of the race behind me. <laughs> Nice, nice. Excellent. So if, if anyone else has got any other questions, speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, I actually have a question. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if you answered this before, but you said that you you took a break from 
the previous season and you're getting back into work now. Um, so I guess my question is, how do you get how do you get ready to get back into the season and what exactly does that entail for you? Yeah, good question. Um, I, I mean, I hadn't thought about how it all comes together because I, in my head, I know how I do it, but you know, it must it must seem odd. Like, what are you going to talk about? The cars haven't run yet. What mainly what you'll do at the moment is recap everything that happened last year. And as you saw in the first half of that quiz, I really needed to do the recap of last year because I couldn't remember half of the numbers from it. Um, anything that can be anything that can be put into database form from last year that hasn't already been done so so that when i call upon it when we go back to that race this year i have all of that to hand and, you know in the format that i like to use and, and so on um a lot of stuff a lot of the, the way our stuff is presented to the broadcasters uh, it all has to be really really ergonomic because there's so much data you could put in there i could make it 100 pages long the main thing is you want to boil it down to just a few pages of here's the things you really really need to know and then there's a load of stuff that i know i need to know when we're on the air because Virtual Statman, which is my handle, is actually the service I provide. That's where the name comes from. So they all log in. They can all see a screen full of information. And that information will update as the cars go around the racetrack. So if something interesting happens, um, say, for instance, just hypothetically speaking, if the lead of the race changed stunningly on the last lap and suddenly there's a major difference in the results to what you thought it was going to be, you have to have all of that on standby. Like, how many times does that happen? Oh, you know, that's the first time the lead has changed on the last lap of a Grand Prix since Austria 2016. You have to have that bang right there. Throw it out now. You know, we haven't got time to go and look up when it happened. You need to know it straight away. Um, so a lot of that preparation. And the more you do now, while we're in a sort of lull, the more you'll be thankful when we get to triple header weekends, when we've got to do F1, F2, F3. And you'll think, I haven't got enough hours in the day. I'm really glad I did all this in February, so it saved me a few hours now. Wow! So you have to you have to think about like all of these different scenarios and then put them together. Like it's so odd because like you'd you'd have to think of how many times like to think of the category of how many times someone has been overtaken in the last lap. Like how do you even think of that? It. it Generally, I, I imagine it's analogous to how a chess player looks at the board and you think, okay, so the king's on this side of the board. In this circumstance, this is, this is the sequence of, of moves I would make. It's a bit like that going on, but with, but with numbers. You know, uh, I guess it's, like, it's a bit like a Sudoku puzzle going on in your head. Like, okay, so the, the numbers are here. That means it's this. A great example I can give you of, of numerical semantics. I was doing the Spanish Grand Prix in 2006 for CBS, which is the, the network broadcaster here. And it was an unusual race because CBS don't normally do, they didn't normally do F1, but they were putting a race on their network. So it was a much, much bigger audience. And it was, it was a boring race, as Barcelona tends to be. And I thought, I need to come up with something here that's interesting for an American viewer. Why would an American viewer care about what's going on here? So Barrichello and Button were circulating like fifth and sixth in the race. So both in the points. I thought, okay, um, both Hondas. Uh, that's two Hondas in the points. Last time we had two Hondas in the points, Mexico 1965, Richie Ginther, Ronnie Buckman, two Americans. And it was the first win for Richie Ginther. And it was the first win for Goodyear. First of 368, which is an all-time record. The American tire supplier from Akron, Ohio. 
throw all that in the race, you know, just like throw that out there, you know, do what you can with it, you know, try and try and make it interesting for the viewer. One thing my executive producer, my first executive producer, Frank Wilson, always said, if a race is boring, it's our job as the broadcaster to make it interesting. It's not our job to say, well, this is boring. You know, it's we're being paid to make it interesting for the viewer. So that's our job. So it, Abu Dhabi, for instance, it doesn't need much effort on our part. But there are some other races you can get where, you know, Monaco, for instance, where it's like, OK, well, tell us why we care. That's that's why we exist as broadcasters, because otherwise you can just fill in the fill in the blanks for yourself. Brilliant. Thank you very Thank much. You. Has anyone else got anything they want to ask Sean or should we should we let him go? Because I'm sure it's a beautiful day in uh, in San Diego and uh, and here we are in the cold, cold <laughs> night of the UK and other already, places. I've already been to the beach this morning. I went I went this morning before uh, before oh. we came on here. Um, let me, let me give, you, give you a running running total of how we're doing here. Here we go. Look at this. It's actually record. It's actual record breaking temperatures here right now. That's what it looks like. Uh, Fantastic. So, yeah, and we've got uh, a weather warning in Scotland for snow. There we go. Oh, look, we're going to have believe, gonna be a cloud. I've got snow on the mountains opposite me. And I believe the um, we were speaking before you came on, Sean. Olivia was worried that the um, that the snow plows were going to pick up on her microphone outside her house. So, uh, yeah, uh. we 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 could have worked it into the narrative. So one way or another, we would have made it work. Fantastic. Well, I, I think we'll we'll start to wrap things up there. Just want to give the uh, the fellow podcasters a chance to uh, to to plug their uh, various uh, various mediums that they use so we'll start off with with carl if you want to talk about the uh, talk about the monkey seat and uh, what it is that that we do on the monkey seat <laughs> the monkey seat is a very relaxed very silly um chats between me and tom we have some guests occasionally uh talking about bits and pieces um we are this year going to concentrate more on the formula one because we ended up finding that we end up talking a bit of that but we do cover other motorsports as well just for a bit of fun um we swear a lot, we talk a lot, and we're very opinionated. As our opening gambit says, we're two opinionated friends, like, but the world's to right. Um, and we're mostly wrong about 50% of the time, but we have a laugh making rubbish. Pretty much nailed right on the head there. So, uh, Tom Downey, tell us about everything F1 and why should, why should we listen to you? Okay, well, uh, we seem to have lost Tom, so we'll. We'll move on to Owain. So, Owain, uh, how can we follow you and give us a little talk about Grid Talk and uh, and anything else that you do as well? I'll pop myself on the camera for this bit. Um, so, what I, uh, as as Tom's mentioned, I uh, I occasionally uh, host the uh, Grid Talk podcast. Uh, we aim to do a show for uh, for uh, qualifying analysis, uh, previews of the race, and reviews of the race once. Uh, uh, once they've gone out um, and also myself uh, I write uh, sort of a, a just a lighter look at uh, the Formula One weekend uh, and uh, try and put round up the sort of best 10 memes uh, that float about on the internet um, after every race um, just a sort of lighter look at it um, which I, I know it's at times last season we definitely needed um, so that's available on sportlightpro.com and uh, Olivia uh, tell us about uh, F1 Total and and what you do there um, I am a writer for F1 Total and for the University of Toronto sports newspaper covering mm. F1 weekends. Um, so yeah, you can catch me on f1total.ca or the UFT website. 
Okay, so uh, and obviously the uh, there's someone else that we haven't spoken about yet. Sean, where can people follow you? And uh, and obviously, obviously, you're very active on social media. Where can people follow you and uh, learn more about you? Twitter and Instagram at Virtual Statman. Usually, I'm talking about F1 stats, but I do wander into the ether of just F1 nerdiness in general. And uh, as regards my actual, my real content, professional content, uh, well, just watch a Grand Prix. Uh, if you if you listen to the commentators or look at the graphics, uh, you'll probably see something in there. What I wrote. You often do a bit of a, um, a Q and A before a race, don't you? Where you offer up people to ask questions about races, and they can tweet you and and get answers. Yes, during the driver parade, I usually do a thing called questions, quips, and queries. Um, so that's when we get into the hour or so before lights out. Uh, so all the all the research is done ahead of the race. We're ready to do a broadcast. So it's just like, okay, well, ask me anything because the chances are the, the right here and now the answer is probably sitting right in front of me because you know we've done hour dozens and dozens of hours of research and now it's just a case of reacting to whatever happens. So it's it's actually. I enjoy it as much as probably people asking the questions enjoy it because often they ask questions that I haven't necessarily considered. So it breaks open a whole new line of research. So it's as good for me as it is for the person asking the questions. So I really, I really enjoy interacting with fans in that way because some of them have got brilliant questions. I just think I haven't thought of that before. That's really, that's a yeah. That's we should we should look into that. Fantastic! Yeah, I always enjoy those. I always make sure I'm, I'm on Twitter picking up on those uh, on those tweets just before the race because you always get some nuggets out of those as well. So uh, if you uh, if you want to hear for, more from me, I'm on Twitter at Tom Horrocks F1. Uh, but if you want to hear more from Formula One Grid Talk, we have a huge back catalogue of shows as well as reviews, previews, and analysis. And we have special episodes with interviews and historic season features to get stuck into too. Most recently, myself and George interviewed Morris Hamilton about his about his book uh, about Murray Walker, the life of Murray Walker, and that was a a really, really good interview as well. So, a uh, great book as well. Well worth a read. If you enjoyed this episode of Grid Talk, please consider supporting us via Patreon from as little as one dollar a week, so we can get better microphones and cameras and lighting for our uh, for, for our hosts and better bandwidth for things like this as well. Maybe a cheeky pint off for recording as well. We're also available on all major podcasting platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music. Amazon Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Cast, as well as being available on the F1 Chronicle website too. Make sure you subscribe to us on the YouTube channel and click the bell to make sure you always know when we are going live. As we, as Owen has said, we often go live on, well, we always go live on our race reviews and qualifying reviews and preview shows as well. Uh, thank you for listening, and we will see you soon on Fireside F1's Grid Talk podcast. Goodbye. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.